0: Hey everybody, Dylan here This will be the last episode of the Let's Go Eat show for 2017 But we will be back in 2018 with um, two guests who I'm really excited about One of which is probably our most requested guest And the other one might be the biggest name we've ever had on this podcast Plus, we're going to announce some really exciting new stuff coming to the Let's Go Eat show All happening early next year so we're looking forward to that. Have a happy holiday. We we're not allowed to say Merry Christmas around here. And enjoy this episode of the Let's Go Eat Show.
1: Uh, welcome to an edition, another edition, yes, yet another edition of the Let's Go Eat Show. I know you can't believe we keep doing it, can you? <laughs> well, I've got news for uh, for you. We're going to keep ramming these down your throat until I'm dead. Uh, so, listen, the Let's Go Eat show, let me tell you one thing before I introduce you to the guest. Please go to all of the places where you can rate podcasts and give give it a rating. You know, it helps. You know, the the iTunes, I know you can uh where else can you do it? Uh, Google. Google. Yeah, yeah, rate the Anyway, rate the podcast. Tell them tell people that you like it and that way maybe other people We'll find it and share it and like it. Uh, or tell us if you don't like it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so now our guest today, uh, is, his name is Amir Jackson. And, uh, Amir has become an Ogdenite. He's uh, a man from Rochester, New York. But he's been living in Ogden for quite some time, and he now considers himself an Ogdenite, and he will show you why and how he has helped the city of Ogden uh, by forming an organization called Nurture the Creative Mind. It's it's quite a story, and he's an admirable guy. Uh, listen closely, pay attention to Mr. Jackson, and... And stay
0: he, tuned to the end, because there's a bit of a poetry reading. Oh, yeah, thanks the for reminding this, that. Yeah.
1: We do some... So you, now you're just going to make him fast forward to the
0: end. Somewhere between now and the end is a poetry reading. Yeah, there we go.
1: Uh, anyway, his, it's Amir Jackson. He's a really remarkable man, and uh, I hope you enjoy this episode of the Let's Go Eat Show. All right, we rolling? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, then, we, then we shall begin rolling with, uh, we're talking to uh, Amir Jackson uh, here on the Let's Go Eat Show. Uh, thanks for being here.
2: Ah, it's a pleasure. Thank
1: you for having me. I um, get real close to the microphone too. By the way, see how like you just almost oh, lip, yeah. lips almost on it. All right, it's that, very, I'm it's, there. it's very intimate, man. Now, uh, Amir, I, I uh, have never met you, uh, and uh, you come to be on this podcast because there are a lot of people who do know you and say you really ought to talk to this guy. He's pretty amazing. Um, and I mean, I that I mean that seriously. Several people have told me that, and that ought to make you feel pretty good.
2: Uh, it makes me feel great. Um, I, I might be doing something right.
1: You have an organization called Nurture the Creative Mind, and uh, you just created this out of nothing, essentially. Uh, because you saw a need and wanted to fulfill that need. And I want to uh, uh, get to how you came to do that. But let's talk a little bit about where you're f- from, first of all.
2: Uh, where I'm from, I'm, I'm actually originally from uh, upstate western U- New York, um, Rochester. Uh, and and uh, I moved to Utah some time ago, um, about 17 years now. Why? Uh, military. I was, uh, oh. I was in the, um, the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And so didn't really have a choice but you mm-hmm. got you got sent here I got sent here yeah um, and uh, you know Utah is just it's it's one of those places you know once you get here um, you have these preconceptions before you get here yeah and then you get here and you realize like it's really beautiful it's easy to live here cost of living's low mm-hmm. and you just don't leave
1: when the, when the when the air force said uh, we're going to transfer you to Hill Air Force base at Utah did you go oh god yeah it wasn't
2: uh. it wasn't an exciting moment you know, uh, I can say that. Like, you know, they they give you your um stations like while you're in boot camp still. And so you see all of everybody else that's in your squad, you see this places they're going, you know, mm-hmm. Japan and they're mm-hmm. uh, going to Italy and Hawaii and you get Utah. You know, it's just you it's, get Utah. You know, it's, it's kind of a downer at first, and then you get here, it's wonderful.
1: What were you? What were you? Uh, you're not in the air force anymore. I'm not. What? Uh, what were you doing in the air force?
2: I was a, a cop. I was a military police really? officer. MP, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I had my. I had a run in with a cop on on Hill Air Force Base one time, long time ago.
2: What was that like? It was
1: just I, I, he pulled me over for speeding. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. on base. I mean, it's not super no. exciting on
2: base, you know. Like yeah. as a cop, you know, you're, it's it's other military personnel. I mean, the the most exciting it gets, um, typically, and this is a good thing. I'm not saying this is a bad thing at all. The most exciting it gets is like a DUI. Yeah, you know, um, something of that nature. Yeah. We don't deal with many fights and stuff.
1: What kind of what kind of uh, life did you come from in Rochester, New York?
2: Oh well, you know, it was a I was raised by a single parent. Um, mother, I would assume. Single mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I had a brother and sister that I grew up with. Um, but my, my life was it was full of love. Um, my family's super close, uh, my extended family. We would get together nearly every Sunday. There would be 20 people, 30 people in the house eating. Everybody um, comes for dinner. Everybody comes for Sunday dinner. Do so you, d- you call
1: it dinner or supper? D- dinner, dinner, okay.
2: Sunday dinner, and, yeah. and, and you know, Sunday dinner is like four o'clock. Yeah, so it's, it's, I don't even know if you should call it dinner. Mm-hmm.
1: Everybody um, brings
2: something, or no? My grandmother, man, she would cook. Uh, it's the best food ever. Yeah, it is the best food ever. She's um, is she still around? She she is, but she's retired from cooking. She oh. she will tell you, you know, like if you're you coming hurt. over, don't expect any food. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it was it was a it was a, a good, family full of love. Good life. It was a good life. Yeah. We didn't have money, you know. Mm. Um, we didn't have money, but we did have love, um, a nurturing environment, so it was good.
1: You go, do you go back there from time to time?
2: Yeah, I try to go back every year. Uh-huh. So, so
1: you, uh, decide to, you decide to join the Air Force for whatever reason, um, and it uh, doesn't matter why. You get sent to Utah, and you like it here. Uh, you do your time in the Air Force. You get out, and you just decide to stay.
2: Yeah. You know, um and, and there was a little bit of a thought process in that. I, I actually decided to stay here because I was looking for schools to go to. Mm-hmm. And um it was either go back to New York and go to school or um stay here and I, you know, the schools in New York are really expensive. I had the GI Bill, but it was only going to cover a portion. And so uh, Weber State was an inexpensive school to go to, so I ended up going to Weber.
1: Yeah, and uh, so I'm a graduate of Weber State and and would never say a bad thing about it.
2: Love Weber State. They're doing great right now in football. They're, yeah. They're on the championship chase.
1: Yeah, yeah. They are. Uh, is the next game they play a championship game or is it a semifinal
2: game? It's a sem- It's. a. I think it's either quarterfinals or semifinals. Okay.
1: Uh, and and by the time people hear this, that might
2: might be done. Be irrelevant. Yeah, but
1: uh, uh, so uh, what did you study at Weaver?
2: Psychology, um, education minor, and finished. Mm. No, I actually, you know, th- this is a really good um, part of the story. I actually um, stopped going to school a, a semester away from graduating, um, and it was a it was a time where. I felt like I had to pursue this other passion and purpose that I had, mm-hmm. um, and I felt like the iron was hot right then, and I couldn't wait. Um, and so uh, I'm a semester away from uh, being a graduate, official graduate of Weber State, um, but I don't regret it whatsoever.
1: So, the, so that that passion you felt, that calling, let's say, yeah, for sure, um, is what led to this organization nurture the creative mind
2: yes yes
1: what what happened was it can you pinpoint any one incident that you say god I got I've got to do something with this
2: um you know yeah I can actually it was a a community service project um, I had to do while going to Weber for a class Mm -hmm. and um, I was I was able to choose and design my own community service project and um, the project that I chose was to uh, work with young people Um, teaching them self-value and um, um, appreciation for others through uh, poetry, exploration of poetry, the written word.
1: Did you have an affinity for poetry yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Did you grow up with poetry?
2: Um, You know, uh, I didn't know it was poetry. You know, (laughs) I grew up writing and expressing myself through written word. Mm -hmm. um, And other people called it poetry, but it was just a way for me to, like, release, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, so, yeah, I do have a connection to that. And um, at the end of the day, I think that that's what led to – that's the moment. When I started working with young people, um, these kids, and they themselves started connecting, I understood that, you know, my story wasn't very unique. Like they, we, all young people are screaming to be seen, you know, in one way or another. And, yeah. And so, they,
1: can, they can do that in a variety of ways some so, so some very positive and and
2: some and many very negative ways for sure for mm-hmm. sure so you know why not give them a the resources to do it positively
1: yeah so uh so you this was a school project and what get, get a little be a little more specific about what you were doing in that
2: project um so i was i was working with a group of students about 30 students at Lincoln Elementary School in uh, Layton and um, we were you know we were dissecting uh Songs, lyrics, Mm -hmm. and um, uh, I was showing them adjectives and adverbs and uh, how to use uh, similes and metaphors, Mm -hmm. but using, like, song lyrics. Um, And, you know, they would themselves have the – the responsibility to write a poem or two each week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they would recite it. And, you know, that was the way that we showed them how to respect each other was, you know, while one person's up reciting, you have to pay attention yep. and give them um, your, your, your um, respect. And, um, and you switch roles. You know, the audience became the individual that was up in front of the audience and vice versa. So those are the kind of specific things that we, we got into. Is, that,
1: is this the project that led to a book of poetry that you put together?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, what was what's that book called?
2: It's called Yes, I Am Still Here. Um, and we worked with a, a group of students from a solstice treatment center, um, young ladies who had been abused, um, all types of abuse, mm-hmm. um, and gave them an outlet to express themselves, you know, um, and to release themselves of, of the burden of this abuse. And um, yeah, we put out a book. Yes, I am still here. It's a, it's a great. It's it, it's a it's somewhat of a juxtaposition because in the beginning of the book you see them holding on to this pain, mm-hmm. and then um, towards the end you see like these same young girls after the project, which was about 13 weeks. After the after the 13 weeks, these young girls um, then uh, are empowered. You know
1: um, when you say "We put out a book, do you mean you and the and the girls, or
2: yeah, know? I would say you know at the at that time, I say "we a lot um but at that time, you know it was just me um mm-hmm. was, I was the only person it wasn't even an organization right. at that time mm-hmm. it was just something I was doing as um a hobby um and so I say we a lot and and I don't mean to confuse people. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, at that time it was just myself. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and the, well, I,
1: and know. I mean it's works because it is a uh, – you, you couldn't put out a, a book of poetry if the, the g- young girls had not written Absolutely. those poems. So Absolutely. it's collaborative. Absolutely. As, can people get the book?
2: Yeah, they can. They can just connect with Nurture the Creative Mind and we can send them um, a copy of it. We – we you know, they can make a donation, but we would be happy to send them a copy, a manuscript um, free of charge.
1: N- and it's nurture the creative mind dot org org. Anyhow, so so you did this project. What, how long ago was that? Uh,
2: so we just celebrated our 11th year anniversary, so that was probably um, nine years ago.
1: Nine years ago you did this, and, uh, and uh, did you just – at that point you left school?
2: At that point I left school. So this is the thing. Those young girls um, helped me to understand how vital this was. Um, what we were able to accomplish with those young ladies um, was something special and um, i, I what I started it, it the switch went off um, I stopped thinking about how many students we had worked with mm-hmm. and stopped and started thinking about how many students we hadn't you know how many students could benefit from a program like this and um, i I just had to move on it. Um, at that point, And I made a decision to do so.
1: Um, so you start out, and, and how do, where did you come up with the name Nurture the Creative Mind?
2: Um, that was just a happenstance. You mm-hmm. know, we, we were putting together an event to highlight the students. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were looking for uh, a phrase, a catchy phrase to get people to come to this event. Mm-hmm. And um, as I was thinking about it, I just thought, like, what do we do? Um, and Nurture the Creative Mind became the title.
1: And, and the event you were putting together, uh, what uh, what was that all about?
2: It was a poetry cafe um, type of event where we um, brought the students um, together and they shared their poems um, with the community. It was a community event, um, which interestingly enough, the first one that we did, there was about 230 people who came to it. Really? No that, joke.
1: Yeah, that's it's pretty amazing. It was how, super amazing. How did that come about? The, uh, just word of mouth through the girls who, who had family and friends and stuff?
2: And- so, yeah, we were working with the girls. We were also working with a, a classroom of students. And it was about 30 students in the class, plus the girls, plus their families, plus um, friends of mine and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And, I, you know, and it was new, right? This was mm-hmm. like a fresh idea and it was um, something that people were um, could relate to in some way, shape, or form mm-hmm. um, and so yeah it was it wasn 't even difficult to promote it. People loved the idea
1: and where where did you where did you put it on
2: at the school at the school okay yeah
1: yeah so so you have this big and is it like a is it a poetry slam or is it a, you do some of that
2: or? yeah yeah absolutely it was it was kind of like a poetry slam format, um, but less performance mm-hmm. um, more uh, like some of these students weren't able to recite their poems you know by memorization so they um, read them so it wasn't as much of a mm-hmm. poetry slam but we had um, some students sang some students uh, played music um, it was a whole gamut of mm-hmm. creativity expression.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, now um, do you, you talk to them about rap as well yeah uh, in terms of, because I mean essentially that's poetry <clears throat> poetic expression of what's going on and in somebody's life, mostly, and and uh, and and really is related to the whole thing, right?
2: Yeah, we have to. Um, at the end of the day, we have to connect it to something they they already have a connection with, right? Poetry isn't something that kids that are ten years old yeah. have an affinity for, right? Um, but if we can make the connection to um, you know, one of their favorite songs, um, if that happens to be hip-hop, if mm-hmm. it happens to be country, and we can show them how these things are, are not different from each other. Um, one has um, music, you know, and mm-hmm. instruments, mm-hmm. And, and the other one doesn't. But they're very, very similar. Once that light bulb goes off, they realize they already have a connection to poetry.
1: Yeah. that's. A, I mean, that's really a good way to look at it because, I mean, I I love – poetry i like it a lot i i read it okay fairly often um i i like i like it's better poetry almost all poetry is better if it is read aloud Mm -hmm. uh but i i like it and i'm not sure where i developed an affinity for it uh but do you write uh i i used to yeah yeah i used to yeah yeah as a a matter of fact I. I started out my career as a, I was going to be an actor and pursued that. And I always said, well, if I don't make it as an actor, uh, I'm, I think I'll be a poet, <laughs> which that's going from one useless profession <laughs> to an even less useful For sure. profession, a place where you make money. I live next door to a woman uh, who's a professor up at the University of Utah, and she's a poet and she uh has published several books of poetry and she's and she's really good she's just a great poet and um and she she has a publisher and i say that's gr-. the first time i talked to her or her husband about it i said god oh, that's great she's actually a published mm-hmm. poet and she gets she goes and does poetry re- readings all over the country and that kind of thing. And uh I said that's great man. That's the big audience. He said y- y-, her husband said no, you know, come on, you know a book of poetry being published, you know how many she's probably going to sell. You know, <laughs> you're going to sell 2000 if she's lucky. True story. And it's and it's g- great poetry, but mm-hmm. it's just not something that people have an affinity for and they even s- kind of are shy away from it. They're scared of it. So yeah. I think it's a really in- good approach to do it the way you're talking about.
2: Yeah, and I think that the reason why people don't have an affinity for it is because um, – and I put that on the, the individuals who are kind of like the guard for poetry, right? Um, uh, they have created this elitist – Group. Oh,
1: I know what you're talking about. You yeah. know, mm-hmm.
2: and 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 if you aren't a part of this type of poetry, mm-hmm. then it's not poetry. Um, I think people really do have an affinity for poetry. The first time you wrote um, a letter to that guy or girl that you liked, that was poetry. Mm-hmm. You know, the expression, just expression in it of itself, is poetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, I think that that's what we try to do. We try to expand that umbrella open up that box a little bit, Um, rather than creating a a very elitist, concise thought process of poetry, we try to expand it and open it up and show how uh, the very many things that we're involved in really are poetry in themselves.
1: So you, Amir Jackson, uh, you you must also write poetry
2: yeah um yeah you know like it's it's really interesting well i
1: I think you said you you did when you were younger yeah Yeah. and you you still do it
2: yeah i do but you know it's really interesting poetry is one of those things um not for everybody but for me it's connected often to um despair and obstacles and struggle and right now life is good you know, and and it's so... It's
1: hard to write poetry when life is good, well, is yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, but, yeah.
2: <laughs> but funny. but I, there
1: are people who do it and write beautiful, For sure. wonderful lyric things about, you know, uh, good life and this is what I see around me and... For you sure. Know, yeah. yeah. You, you just... It, it, it's a, it, but I know what you're saying. It's you, Sometimes you feel compelled to write it because things are so shitty. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Know. And yeah. I think that's where I started, you know. Like, I had... Um, as much as my life was... Um, filled with love, and um, you know there was some hard times also for um, some years there, and, and I moved from house to house, um, and uh, that's when I really started writing. Is mm-hmm. when I, I felt as if there was no one listening, right? Um, and so I started to uh, uh, express myself, mm-hmm. and 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 so uh, you know, like for me, I think that I have this um, conditioned connection to that struggle yeah. in poetry and so um, th- i think that's why i struggle to write um, when things are good
1: yeah i think I've, I've talked to my next door neighbor about it Jack, jackie the poet and uh, she i think comes upon an idea and and it's a usual and her I, her books uh, are, you know there will maybe be f- 15 or 20 30 poems in a book and they're all kind of connected to mm-hmm. a to a theme. So she comes up with that idea. Something strikes her and she thinks, oh, I'm going to write about this. And then I think she makes herself do it mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than just, you know, saying, I, okay, I got to wait until I'm, you know, get kicked in the ass or something. For sure. You know, she, she will sit down, I think, and she'll write every day and. And make sure that she does it for like a job
2: yeah you know? yeah I, I i think that's uh awesome um yeah. and some people are able to do that i mean i think people who are professionals with it yeah. right? like they have to yeah um and so they figure out a way to tap into both emotions or all emotions i'll, in I'll give you like, Yeah. yes dylan
0: i feel like a lot of artists are like that you know like they they their life has to be havoc for their creativity to keep up or at least they feel that way mm-hmm. like i think you can learn like jackie to make it you know, my job and a thing, but I mean you think of a lot of comedians or or uh, or or musicians who just kind of feel like if they clean their life up, they stop they're just 're just with afraid. the drama that the creativity will dry
2: mm-hmm, yeah. up you know i actually if i if I could um, I actually believe that um, those individuals and I put myself into that category also, but um I think those individuals actually enjoy the pain. Mm-hmm. I I I think that they they don't want to release themselves yeah. of it, um, and I know that sounds somewhat like masochists, right? Or, right. Um, but that that I think that's a reality that um, some artists and creatives um, actually will create situations right for themselves so that they can be in that spot. Yeah. Um, they they it, it becomes somewhat enjoyable in a sadistic kind of way. I would yeah, agree. Like I was that. I
0: was watching a Chris Farley sketch. The other day, and thinking about the struggles he had to to try to be funny, Mm -hmm. and and thinking he wasn't going to be, and and that kind of stuff. Anyway,
1: well, let's so let's get back to the to the uh, the progression of uh, Amir Jackson starting uh, nurture the creative mind. We left it at uh, you had the poetry reading and and open kind of a poetry. Then, then you went on to open a cafe. Is that do I understand that? It was
2: not? a it was a po- we did a poetry cafe um, yeah. where we invited the community to come in and and participate in the students' readings. Mm-hmm.
1: And then you've got to do something else. Apparently, you got say to I got to move else. it, uh, uh, b- broaden it somehow. What did you decide to do?
2: Um, what What we decided to do was add another school. We started to um, expand that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a, a an epiphany a realization um, that not every person, not every student connects to poetry. And so we started adding music. And then I realized not every student connects with music. And so we started adding painting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how the organization became an organization because um, then, you know, you needed help with these things. And, I'm uh, you know, I, I could teach the poetry classes because I have a connection to that, something I enjoy, something I'm somewhat educated on. But I'm not necessarily a musician, and I'm not necessarily a painter. So we started, you know, to um, I started to reach out at that point to the community and um, look for individuals who were like-minded and um, um, could connect to nurture the creative minds' message and mission. And that's when we became an organization.
1: How did you How did you find these people? Were they friends, or how, what's you know? Or some just some strange guy you know yeah, since, uh, yeah. hey I'm looking for you know a painter or a musician or uh, to help me with this organization how'd you find them
2: well you know it's, it's it's really interesting you start out with your friends right um uh, and and then you grow from there uh i would i would say uh that they kind of found us mm. right um all of these adults who are creatively minded um have a Inherent connection to the message, and the, and and they understand what it was like to be a young person and not have this kind of outlet. Um, and so, when we presented a resource that would have been a resource that they could have benefited from as a young person, mm-hmm. um, they were eager, and and still are. People are eager to assist and help out because they understand. Like, um, I think some adults go through like this invisible force field where they forget what it was like to be a kid. Right. Sure. Uh, um, But I think that for the ones that don't um, forget and remember what it was like to be told by society in general, right. Not an individual necessarily, but by society that they have to wait to be valuable. You know, when, when they start voting, when they start paying taxes, when they graduate, when they graduate college, um, and what we want to do is tell young people and show them, not just tell them, but show them that they're valuable today, right now. And and um, so the, the people who started to gravitate to Nurture the Creative Mind were people who felt that way when they were young and now are adults who can help other young people, um, prevent other young people from feeling that way.
1: So you've uh, managed to um – you form a board of directors now and yeah. you have you have nonprofit status I understand yes
2: an office we have an office we um, have an office uh, in the union station in Ogden well oh, that's nice it is nice um, it's a, it, I consider it a, a blessing for sure before we had an office we've had an office for three and a half years now four years um, before that we were completely mobile. I was um, I didn't I didn't get collect a paycheck from nurture the creative mind until about three years ago. Mm. I was um, I was doing it. Um, I, I was paying for expenses out of my pocket. We didn't really have many donors and didn't have any grants. Um, and we were a mobile organization, meaning I was working like the supplies would be in the van, and I would go to a school or an after school program and. Um, and and work out of the van.
1: You uh, you had, must have had to have another job to support yourself. Yeah, what what you, you a do? Couple of jobs. What were actually. you What were you doing? Are you doing? <laughs> are jobs. you still doing another job? Or? No, thank,
2: th- thankfully, you know, we've grown mm-hmm. to the point where um, we're sustained. And um, I was able three years ago. I was able to um, focus on nurture the creative mind full time. Um, and and the jobs that I did prior to that, I was a, a bartender. Mm-hmm. I was a server. Um, I was also working in the school district for a period of time. Um, I was also going to school um, uh, full-time at Weber State. You you know, sincerely, I was so overworked. And you don't necessarily know you're overworked until, like, certain things start happening, like your hair starts falling out. (laughs) Um, I was so overworked at a certain period of time in my life that, um, legit, my hair was falling out in clumps. And I go to my barber and I was like, hey, you know, I think I'm losing my hair. And he was like, oh, okay, let me look at it. And he looks at it and he was like, oh, no, like, you need to, you need to relax, bro. Right now, man. (laughs) You need to relax, man. This is not normal. Um,
1: I, I apparently have never had a stressful time in my life because (laughs) I I have plenty of hair. So, Uh, so, uh, and where does the money to run Nurture the Creative Mind come
2: from? Um, you know, that's a, th- that is a great question. Uh, the majority of our money comes from uh, private donations um, and events. Uh, the grants that support our organization are about, uh, depending on the year, about 20 to 30 percent of our budget, um, which means you could take um, any one of those grants away and we still function. Our organization still functions, which yeah. is a beautiful model to have. Um, so we, we also manage the Ogden Arts Festival. So we're able to generate some revenue from the Ogden Arts Festival. We have an annual fundraiser. So you're
1: essentially the – when you say you manage the Ogden Arts Festival, you're kind of like the producing yes. entity that uh, juries the art and decides who's going to get a booth and all yeah. of that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, we produce the Ogden Arts Festival, and and um, that um, just happened a couple years ago. It was passed on to our organization um, um one of our supporters uh, was the director uh, and producer of the Ogden Arts Festival. And she, her name is Susie Daly, and, and she um, wanted to assist us in our mission. And, and it, it was in alignment with what our, our mission is, um, the Ogden Arts Festival. And so it was a way for us to generate some revenue.
1: That's a, um, it's a good thing to do. And you can uh, 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 you, you sell booth space and you do all of that and you get to keep a little a little piece of that and yeah. put it back into Nurture the Creative
2: Mind. And
1: then I assume you uh, – have you written grants for it as well?
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, we've written a, a bunch of grants, none federal, mostly state grants, mm-hmm. um, st- state and county grants. And we receive a, a little bit of money, um, but not a ton from grants. Most of our money comes from private donations. Grant, in the writing,
1: I understand. I've never tried to do it, but I understand writing – they call it writing a grant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's applying for grant money. I don't know why they say you're going to write a grant, but that's what they do. I, I am getting that right. You're yeah, right. absolutely right. Yeah, and I but I understand it it it's really nonsense a lot of times. It's just like well, you know it's difficult and and most of them never come through.
2: Uh yeah, if you say for example, if you have a grant writer on staff at your organization, your nonprofit, and they Get thirty percent of the grants approved. That's a great grant writer. Mm. Um, uh, most of the grants, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll get um, denials most of the yeah. time.
1: So uh, there are people who do this kind of as a as a job, and they're oh yeah, most definitely. And they're and they're if they're good at it, what you're saying, they can they just somehow have the touch and know how to write them and where to find them. I guess is part part of the
2: yeah, it's a skill set yeah. certainly. And um you know it's difficult to jump in and out of grant writing like uh, for for example um it's a certain mindset that you have to have um and an approach and there's it's time consuming so as the director of an organization to be doing programming recruitment marketing and doing grant writing is difficult
1: yeah which which i assume you were you were kind of trying to do all of that at first yes <laughs> It's crazy. See, this is why I think it's amazing that you've done this. Uh, because uh, it's just crazy to to do something like that. I would ne- I would just never. I, 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 well, I mean, I guess if I felt passionate enough about it as you did, uh, and now here you are, board of directors, funds coming in, you can finally write yourself a, a bit of a paycheck.
2: Yeah, and and it, it, let me, you know, I agree with you, Bill. It does not make sense. Yeah. You know, like it, 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 if I would have um, known 11 years ago and I had foreseen, um, you know, all of the like the struggle and the sacrifices and so on and forth, I, I may not have made the decision to pursue this. Right. I might have finished school. Yeah. Or, uh, or gone back to the Air Force. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take certainly. me back. But, uh, but, you know, it's it's what I consider to be my life's purpose. And and I don't say that, like, in a dramatic way. I believe genuinely that this is what I was put on this earth to do. And um, and because of that, uh, even though it doesn't make sense and it's not reasonable and it's not logical at times, like, I can't stop doing it. This is, like, who I am.
1: You're a religious man?
2: I am. I am.
1: And, and so – and you – would you say that you think that – you say – when you say, I think that I was put on this earth to do that – this – I guess you're saying you you think that God did this.
2: I think I think that this is God my p- led you to Ogden and well you know it's really interesting like um I think that uh I mean the short answer of that is yes. Absolutely. I think that this is my purpose in everything like even the struggle that I went through as a young person. It it wasn't until later that I understood that that was a part of the story. You know like mm-hmm. I needed to go through that struggle in order to be able to relate to young people today.
1: Uh, So, what does um, the organization? um, And uh, I was reading an article about you. I think this is in uh, uh, the pub. This is an online thing, Indie Ogden, and it says uh, nurture the creative mind has become part of the heart of Ogden. Uh, So now that you are part of the heart of Ogden, what do you? What y'all? What do y'all
2: do? Uh, well, we do uh, uh, many things. I think the way that we were able to become part of Ogden, like an intricate part of Ogden, is um, all of our all of our projects, anything that we do, we, we try to make it connected to the community, um, be community oriented. Um, we take it out of the silo of our space and put it into the community. Um, an example of that would be um, this project that we started about five years ago, Street Piano Project, where we paint pianos and then put them on the streets of Ogden um, for people to play.
1: It's kind of the uh, idea that the, the, those horses and the buffaloes. And Absolutely. Sort of but these are functioning pianos? These are
2: working pianos that we put out on the street.
1: Did you come up with that or did you did you hear about that somewhere? So,
2: yeah, that's a great question. So um, I was looking through Pinterest, looking for ideas um for project ideas and um there's this company called Play Me I'm Yours um that uh, in Europe they were putting around pianos um and and painting them and I was like that's a great idea we got to do, do it.
1: It. yeah and there's i mean there's no there's certainly no shame in doing that of like going no. oh man that is a great idea for Ogden and uh, how, uh, to, you, you, it's kind of weird to me. Do you leave the <laughs> Do you leave the you leave the pianos there for a while and then move them around or what?
2: We leave them there. We we put out about eight, ten pianos depending on the year. Um and uh, yeah, we just leave them there. We just put them on the street and we leave them there.
1: And do people? I guess they come and play them.
2: Absolutely. Like we actually we we, we will schedule people to play them. Um, and then there'll be random people that come out and play them. It, it's be, it's become one of the things that um, truly that people anticipate for the summer. Um, so they'll like they'll message us like a month before, and you know like when are the pianos coming out? Um,
0: so- it, it, it's a cool. I mean, it's a cool thing to walk the streets of Ogden in downtown, 25th Street, and there are just pianos around.
1: I and don't come up to Ogden often enough anymore. I've never seen this.
0: I know you're missing out. It's, it's incredible. We've got to change that, Bill. <laughs> there are, you know, they're beautiful pianos that are painted and unique looking. And you never know who will be playing them and how good they'll be or um, or, not. or if they're just tinkering around. Mm-hmm. How do but you it protect fills them? the streets with music. How do you protect
2: them? Um, so um, I personally, um, if it's – I look at the weather report Daily and if it's scheduled to rain i personally go around and tarp each piano
1: now let me ask this about that uh project how does th- this does not directly make you any money
2: none it, we 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 actually lose money from the project yeah uh
0: but where do the pianos come from how do you get them
2: um so there's a, a couple of different areas. There's a um um an organization a nonprofit in in Salt Lake that we partner with called Mundi Mundi Project. They get donated pianos and then they sell them. Um then uh we also get them off of KSL. Some of them are donated, um but mostly we pay for the the pianos.
1: And and uh so it doesn't make you any money directly, but it does Raise the awareness of your organization and, and that's, a, that's a good thing when you tr- start hitting people up for donations.
2: Absolutely. And this is the thing. This is, I think, um, what makes nonprofits special because um, it's not always about the um, – it's, it's not always about that return on investment being monetary, right? Like the impact for Ogden um, is great and and so for our organization certainly it is um but there not everyone knows who we are right all they know is that there's pianos out on the streets of Ogden and so um you know Ogden has struggled um for years with image Yeah, why um, I
1: listen i'm was born and raised there and i love ogden but i'm also one of those people who have contributed in certain ways to the negative image of ogden by saying derogatory things about it on a Popular radio show, like For sure. I, I'll say, Ogden is uh, the city in in Utah where uh, statistics show you are most likely to get hit in the head with a beer bottle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but people, I think, know that I'm joking. Yeah, I, I love Ogden, really.
2: Yeah, I think – and everybody that I've spoken to about you say this, that you are a, a great advocate and supporter of Ogden. I,
1: I, I advocated for a while that that sign, you know, the, uh, the uh, sign the over Ogden the – Ogden sign. Yeah, the welcome to Ogden sign uh, that they would put underneath that. Ogden, the city that will work for food. Okay. But I but –
2: you, you know, the, the thing is, is that – so with this piano project, right, we've been doing that piano project for five years, and this is just connecting it to how this has helped – the impact or help impact um, the image of Ogden in a positive manner. Uh, We've been doing the project for five years. We put between eight and ten pianos out each year. So let's say 50 pianos, around 50 pianos. And not one of those pianos have ever been damaged. I was going to ask about that, vandalism. Not one has ever been vandalized. So when we talk about the image of Ogden, this is a clear representation, right,
1: you know, it's funny, and I say I don't. I don't get up to Ogden uh, much as much as I should anymore. Um, I grew up there. I I lived there for twenty-two years of my life, from birth to age twenty-two or twenty-one or whatever it was, and then I left. Came back a little bit briefly, and then moved to Salt Lake, and I've been in Salt Lake th- almost at, at least that long. Mm-hmm. But when I go go back up to Ogden, it has changed. And it's nothing, a lot of times, it's nothing that you can tangibly put your finger on, the change. But I know, I'm an Ogden boy, and I know the vibe of Ogden. And there is, it is a more positive place Mm -hmm. than it's ever been. Well, when I was a kid, and I'm pretty old, uh, Ogden was extremely vibrant. Mm -hmm. Downtown Ogden was a, it was a city city street you know with people on the sidewalks everywhere and mm-hmm. stores mm-hmm. all up and down the Washington Boulevard and people all the time shopping and walking around and you know it was it was like a little city mm-hmm. it was it was a busy smaller city and then that all kind of you know dried up and went to hell when they built the mall and you probably heard some of that history yeah and yeah. and Ogden got down in the dumps the just the feeling of the place got down
2: yeah, and I think you know I'm not from Ogden, you know, um, and and I think that what I witness and, and see, um, there's definitely a change, but I do believe that people accepted. You know this down in the dumps. Yeah. Feeling. Oh, we're just Ogden.
1: We don't deserve I, nice absolutely. things. Absolutely. I used to say that on the radio. We're just Ogden. We don't deserve nice things.
2: Absolutely. I think yeah. people just accepted that, and and I think that um, that is no longer the case. I,
1: I would agree that has changed. I can sense that, mm-hmm. and makes me feel great about Ogden. Um,
0: I mean, I definitely noticed the change from when I was a kid growing up there, in the '90s till now. It's and it, I mean when when I was in college, probably like five years ago. I started to come to the realization of, no, there's cool stuff happening here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a it's a great little city, and it's it is compared to Salt Lake,
1: it is just the the way the city looks. Uh, it is a beautiful place to live. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's right up against the mountain. I mean, when I grew up. I could walk two blocks up the street and be in the mountains, absolutely. the foothills of the mountains. Absolutely, it's just a beautiful place.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, like like I love Ogden, and, and certainly like any city, any place, town, city, whatever, um, it certainly has um, some work to be done um, mm-hmm. in certain areas. But all in all, like um, I wouldn't trade it. I, I'm, I'm and and one of the things that I will say about Ogden that is special is. Um, It has a community feel. Um, It still has, like, a small-town community feel where people will support you. If somebody, um, you know, one of the uh, local bartenders um, came about a a sickness and, you know, unexpectedly, young guy, like early 30s, and the community support for this this guy is tremendous. Mm -hmm. And that – you just don't find that in certain areas, you Mm -hmm. know, where people – Um, Not because they know him but because they know somebody that knows someone that knows someone will support, you know, Um, that idea that this – like we have to come together and help this young man. Uh,
1: What other uh, projects do you want to tell us about that Nurture the Creative Mind does?
2: Okay. So I think that um, one of the most exciting projects that we are working on currently is a project with um, KUER and NPR. It's a youth-based podcast program. Um, It's called Hear Me Now. Um, And and the students um, are able to uh, direct and decide their own um, subject matter. Um, They get the opportunity to get some professional um, instruction on how to produce um, a podcast. Um, And they talk about subjects um, uh, like teen depression, uh, what else, Uh, the transformation of Ogden. Um, They talk about uh, a plethora of things that they all decide on. And then it's produced um, by NPR and KUER. Um, that's a super exciting proge- mm. project.
0: So if... Uh, what? Let, me ask you, uh, let me ask you about... Are you still in schools? Is that still the primary focus of Nurture the Creative Mind, going to schools and teaching?
2: So we, we never have um, had like an either-or mentality, right? Um, uh, we've always had an inclusive um, um, approach. So... We never stopped being in schools, but we have our own location. Um, So we do on-site classes, and then our school um, projects we call satellite programs. So we have satellite programs in some schools. In
0: the the on-site or in the Union Station? Yes. You can use it as a performance space and –
2: yeah, I mean it's it's not a it's not a huge space, um, small performances, but we do also you don't use the big
1: grand. Uh,
2: uh, no, 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 we don't, we don't.
1: But you, where, where are you in the Union Station?
2: On the south end, it used to be where the Forest Service was.
1: Oh yeah, I know
2: where that. I know where you're talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, now, so Amir Jackson, uh, you are now an Ogdenite through and through.
2: I am. You know, and and I realized that when I was home last um, in New York. Um, my cousin was asking me, "When do you go back to Utah?" And my response was, "Oh, I go back home in a couple of days." Mm-hmm. And um, I realized that, you know, that, that I had I had become an Ogdenite, you know, a Utahn, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which was really uh, an interesting acceptance. But
1: can I ask you a, a kind of a, a very personal question? Sure. Uh, you are a person of color. Yes. Uh, have you ever? This is such a white place ogden is a little more ethnically diverse than a lot of places but still uh, has that ever caused you discomfort or
2: um I, I think that um you know the honest i think that's a great question it's something that we you know we don't talk enough about like uh, i think it's it's taboo um it's uncomfortable but yeah i mean i
1: i sort of hesitated to bring it up and yet if you know anything about me, I of course
2: will bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that you know to, to to say that I've never had any issue with it would be completely false. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, when I when I compare the type of like prejudice or racism I've experienced um, in Utah um, to other places, um, it's it's more ignorance than racism, right? It's um if, if, if someone is not um, exposed to anything, right, they have these preconceptions sure. um, that that they, they may have accepted until they are exposed to that thing or person, and then they start to understand that they're, um, what they thought w- was was wrong. Racism is when you hold on to those preconceptions, right? When you believe um, someone is something, right. Um, black people are ignorant, stupid criminals and then you meet 50 black people that don't fit that profile and you still believe black people are ignorant, stupid and criminals. Um, I, I don't think Utah falls into that category or the majority of people in Utah fall in that category. I think most of it is um, ignorance and not racism.
1: That's a, that's interesting to hear that perspective and I'm I'm glad of that. I'm glad that's the way you experience that and uh, I I would suppo- suppose, and and this is just making an assumption on my part that, with with that attitude, you don't shy away from if you sense that there is some sort of feeling toward you that is negative, that you don't hesitate to say, what, is there a problem? Why don't we talk about that?
2: Yeah, you so, know, I think being from New York, I'm just not afraid of confrontation. Period. And so I, 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 I like the question that you ask, I'm not that's not something I I'm, I'm hesitant to answer. It's not something that I get flushed, you know, <laughs> responding to. <laughs> uh, I think that um yeah, I think that uh to answer your question very short, um I have no issue with uh confronting and asking someone um if there is an issue, can we talk about it? You uh, got you, communication yeah. is okay for me. I'm
1: not in your face. But do you have a problem with me? Yeah. yeah. We, let's just thing. talk
2: about it. Yeah, yeah, let's talk
1: about it. Uh, Amir, it's nice to meet you uh, and find out about this work that you do in Ogden. And um, it's uh, people like you who have helped Ogden, I think, regain its, some of its image or maybe all of it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I applaud you for that. Now I'm going to give you the opportunity uh, to tell people what you need.
2: Um, you know I think that what we need are um, you know Utah is a place that is known for pioneers and um, people who set out on difficult journeys um, to create something and what we need are uh, people who are who are willing and have a desire to be pioneers for this next generation um, and and we we want individuals we're looking for people who um, who understand that young people are the greatest value our future has and we can be proactive about our approach and our investment in young people and um, are are wanting and willing to put that investment in. And that could be, you know, monetary investment, but it also could be um, uh, an investment of your time, you know, uh, if you want to volunteer um, or if you want to help um, us. If you don't have the money, if you want to volunteer to help us um, um, you know, recruit those who do. Um, or
1: help Amir put tarps over pianos. Or
2: help me put tarps over <laughs> pianos. You want to help instruct the kids. You have a project idea that you want to implement. Um, you just need some resources. Artists, musicians. Absolutely. You know. So, yeah, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for those individuals. And uh, you can
1: find out everything you need to know about how to volunteer or to give money. If you just go to
0: nurturethecreativemind.org.
2: Yes, sir. All right.
1: Um,
0: so here at the end of the episode, and we don't normally do stuff like this, but I want to put you guys completely on the spot, and what? I want you each to read a, read us a poem, your favorite poem. Not necessarily one you wrote, but one that you, a short poem. That we have memorized, no, you mean? No, you can look oh. it up on your phones, whatever, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cut out the time uh, of us looking. I can, but I just, don't have
1: to look. Uh... I can't recite the whole poem because it, it's it's long, but I can recite the opening. Sure. It's uh, The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock by T.S. Eliot. Let us go then, you and I, when the evening is spread out against the sky, like a patient etherized upon a table. Let us go through certain half-deserted streets, the muttering retreats of restless nights in one night hotels with oyster shells oh do not ask what is it but let us go and make our visit in the room the women come and go talking of michelangelo that's then it goes on and on
2: great wonderful i Thank love you. that
1: poem the love song of j alfred Prufrock, t.s Eliot. look it up you'll read that whole thing it's not it's not real long but it's great and I, the other one, I could do one more quick one while Amir's looking. Okay. The opening to, and I think this is maybe the, one of the first poems I ever read that made me really want to read more poetry. And it's Howl by Allen Ginsberg. I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked, dragging themselves through the Negro streets at dawn, looking for an angry fix angle-headed hipsters burning for the ancient heavenly connection to the starry dynamo in the machinery of night, who poetry and tartars and hollow-eyed high sat up smoking in the supernatural darkness of cold-water flats floating across the tops of cities contemplating jazz, who bared their brains to heaven under the L and saw Mohammedan angels staggering on tenement roofs illuminated who passed through universities in radiant, cool eyes, hallucinating Arkansas and Blake-like tragedy among the scholars of war.
2: Yeah, that's the beat poet. Yeah. Okay, I found one. Okay. Here. I'm going I'm to read one that – I'm going to read a poem that um, I wrote. Um, it's not necessarily one of my favorite poems, um, but, uh, you know, either way, it's one that I really enjoy. Uh, it's called uh, That Kind of Love. I want that non-fiction love, that tangible love, that hard, true, opposite of fantasy love, the type of love my mother gave with a swift smack across my mouth because I spoke above my station, that love that after making love leaves your body and soul shaking. I want that timeless love, that sea deep love, that out of pure happiness makes you break down and weep love, the love you sense all over you, inside and out, through and through. I want that love, love, not imitation love, that 100% real naturalistic love. The love if you were blind, you could see, if paralyzed, could feel. Had no tongue, you could taste it, because the love is that real. I want that kind of love. It's very good. Great. Thank you.
0: Very good. Thank you, guys. Thanks for doing that. Thank All you. Right. That's it. It was uh, a
1: pleasure. Again, nurturethecreativemind.org. Uh, It is uh, Amir Jackson, thank you. Thank you, Dylan, for producing the show. I'm Bill Allred. uh, And remember, if you're pouring the drinks, always make mine a double.
0: Broadway Media Podcast Network.